We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And today's show will be part two of my episode uh, with Britt Robson, just kind of previewing the preseason. I guess we'll call it. Hopefully we'll get on to, to talk again before the <laughs> before the regular season starts. But uh, Britt, in, in the first episode or the first part of this, we didn't we didn't really talk a ton of basketball. We talked a lot about cat. Um, we, we talked more, uh, more talked so about, about Edwards. talked a lot about Edwards and I do want to talk about some more personality dynamics cause, cause those are interesting, but also kind of doing that while moving into, you know, kind of synergizing how personalities work with how basketball might work. And, yeah. and as you brought up on the last episode, I think, and I agree with this, the, the place for maybe concern about synergizing personalities and synergizing play is really in the backcourt, kind of at the one-two or the guys who will be leading the offense. Um, obviously, we have D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio, but but Malik Beasley is a lead ball handler too, and he he's also in that mix. So if we want to start having the like too many basketballs conversation, I think that it kind of starts, you know, kind of starts in the backcourt about you know, how, how that dynamic of sharing is going to work. Where are you sitting on that right now? Well, I think Malik has to be much more of a catch and shoot guy than he was in his 14 games with the Wolves. Um, and I also think 
you know, Ryan is famous. One of his catechisms is that we have a lot of guys who could take the defensive rebound and bring it over the half court on their own. Um, yes, that's true. But that, you know, I mean, if that's happening, it's because it is just the normal flow of NBA basketball. And that happens. It's not an extraordinary event on any team. The question is, what happens in the two or three seconds after you're over the half court line yeah, in the half court, what, what happens in the half court? Yeah, what are you yeah, going to do right. then? You know I mean? I don't care if somebody can catch the ball and, and, you know, basically dribble the ball up. I mean, and if there's pressure, I would certainly would hope Malik would get rid of it, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully to deal over Ricky, because I don't think he's the kind of guy who can dribble through a, a half court press, you know, I mean, or a back court press. So well, I want to see him catch and shoot. I want to see him, move without the ball. Uh, I happen to have a, a lot of faith in his, I don't think that uh, his three point shooting was an, uh, was an aberration. No, me neither. He, may, he may not hit 42 five, but he'll hit between 38 and 41. I think uh, I agree. It, with volume minutes. It's, it, it's interesting because Malik will not be able to play the way he played the 14 games. Stylistically, there is not room for that. Exactly. Um, what there is room for, and it's why the Denver connection is interesting, is is it's not only about, you know, sharing the ball with the point guards, a la Jamal Murray. It's about sharing the ball with Cat as a playmaker, a la Nikola Jokic. And, and I think a reason for optimism is that Beasley, not last season, but the season before, 2018-19, uh, did have really success in that role. It was a starter at times. It was off the bench at times. I think Mike Malone finagled that well to get the most out of Malik Beasley. So that has to happen again. But if you are, what I'm interested in is what does Malik think about that? Does part of him think two years ago, yeah, I was a guy like making my way. And now I've gotten paid. I'm in his head. Is he thinking I'm a 20 point scorer? Is he thinking I play the way I played? at the at the end of last season you know because that that's going to be the question and ultimately I really do think I think Malik wanted to put up his numbers and wanted to get paid but I think that dude's competitive like I think he wants to win so so can he kind of thread the needle there and and put all those things together to not only maximize himself but maximize Cat and also two Jamal Murrays in Ricky Rubio and D'Angelo Russell mm-hmm well, if I want to put on my fake coach's hat, um, put it on. What I would say is Ryan always says a lot of the minutes this season will depend on defense. Hey, Malik, if you want to play hero on offense and ignore two better ball handlers while jacking up a contested shot, make me grimace through it on the other end of the court by playing better and I won't have to bench you. Um, Malik Beasley's defensive rating in his time with the Wolves, without count on the floor, which in many respects is a benefit to the Wolves defense, he was 118.9, and only Wancho was worse. Um, it's worth they, noting that they did not play, they played zone defense. Yes. They no, played zone it. defense once those guys came, and Nas Reed was the five next to them. I, I mean, I'm one not of saying the reasons they played different. zone. One of the reasons they played zone defense is because Malik Beely could not stop anybody off the dribble. 
So therefore you had to basically have people already in those spots so that on a man to man, your man to man didn't totally break down because some guy was getting just scalded off the dribble. And this is why Ricky Rubio is important because Uh, it can be, again, one of the things I worry about with Ricky is that on pick and rolls, he got better at it in Utah. And I, I, I didn't see as much of him in Phoenix uh, to, to, to watch for that. I remember seeing it a little bit more in Utah. Um, and it was stuck out to me because he had Gobert there. Um, right. Is he, he has a tendency to still chase the role man. He has a belief in himself that he can stay with a role man, um, even when the best thing for him to do is stay with the screen. Um, that was a big problem in Minnesota. He, one, and it stuck out because, quite frankly, he doesn't have that many weaknesses on defense. Um, that was one of his few defensive weaknesses. Um but it's I, going to be about competently guarding the point of attack and within within the Timberwolves scheme. And what if we're going off a of past performance, we know that's not a Dan, something D'Angelo Russell is going to do. And we know it's something Malik Beasley hasn't done in the past right. either. So accurate you, statement. So you so you end up saying, you know, who you know, who is going to be our point of attack defender? Obviously, you know, people, I think that's probably a Kogi's the best at that on the team. But if we're if you're sliding him up a position, or it's just not that you got to kind of have two um, multiple options out there if you are going to be trying to hide D'Angelo Russell, and and I think I think most people are thinking who see value in Ricky Rubio are seeing value in um, the idea that he's a, a good offensive player, a playmaker, et cetera, et cetera. But part of the reason is that for me is he's not just like a good defender. He's a, he's a He's good at the type of defense that I think this team needs, which is, or at least solid at, at the point of attack, which is where it all starts when you're, you're running a drop scheme like the Wolves that does ask you to, you know, to stay glued to the ball handler and get that rear view contest there. It's, he can do it better than Malik and D'Lo, and it's, it's a reason that I think he needs to play with them as well. Because if you're rolling a group out there that's, that's D'Lo, Beasley, you know, Edwards or something like that is your backcourt. Who's guarding the point of attack? I don't even know if, I don't even know if Saunders can do that. You'll just get cooked. Yeah. I do think that, um, to the extent that, um, I think Okogi will be guarding, if not on the perimeter, he'll be guarding, uh, tentative penetration by another team's offense you know, the whole drive and kick idea. I think Okogi will be crucial in stopping that. Um, I also think that um, I know for a fact, just on the basis of what Rosas has said in passing and what Ryan has subsequently said, big surprise, that um, it would be, they look to Delo as a Harden-esque type on defense to some extent in terms of they think he's better at guarding the post then they do think he's as good on the perimeter. And because they are switch heavy, I can see yeah. him and Okogi doing a lot of switching where D'Lo takes the role man um, because he does have, you know, he and Okogi both have great, you know, length in terms of their arms. Um, but I think something know, to picture is, and this is just what I think all Timberwolves fans can picture because it was why they lost the series against the Rockets was that, 
back in the playoffs, right? They had no problem if if Harden ended up being the switch onto Carl Anthony Towns. Not because James Harden can individually stop Cat in the post, but because they knew they were going to be intentional about bringing that baseline double, right? That was Eric Gordon would slide over there, scrap at the ball once Towns tried to square. P.J. Tucker, whoever it might be. And and I think that's kind of going to be the idea, is throwing multiple bodies. If if it's D'Lo, if it's Beasley, on that, on that switch there, it's knowing that we have to send a double. We have to send multiple bodies. And Houston was good at that because those guys had experience. Right. It's, it's going to lead to situations where it looks really bad and you know it's they play utah the second game of the season and here we go it rolls down and all of a sudden d'angelo russell has Derek favors and right. beasley doesn't slide over for that baseline double well you know favors is just going to put him in the rim so right. it, it's one of those things is it good in theory or will but and not going to be good in practice at the beginning you know i think but th- that's that's the hand that Ryan Saunders has been dealt with this. And, 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 and I don't mind. I know I often basically say something that totally takes the conversation beyond where you want to go at the current time. I just want to bookmark that when we play teams like Utah, there will be a traditional power forward on the floor. But let's, let's talk about back. it. No, well, I mean, okay, fine. <laughs> wait, wait, what else do you want to talk about? About the Okay, you got to talk about the D'Lo Rubio dynamic. I, I That's do. your little angry baby. It's not an. I'm not angry about it. I actually think even if it works, to what end? What is the end game here? You know, I mean, uh, that the team, you know, threatens for the 10th seed rather than finishes 14th. It jumps up to 12th or 11th. Um, meanwhile, uh, you are depriving minutes for other wing players if they're on the court together. And I also don't think, um, I just don't think. Who are they depriving? Who are you depriving minutes from? Ricky Rubio says, I don't mind coming off the bench as long as we're winning. How long do you think that's going to last that the team, the second half of that statement is far more important than the first half of that statement? Fair. And so, but on the other hand, I think Ryan says, screw it. It gives us the best chance to win. Ricky, you're getting minutes. Um, and then Delos there going, hey, I'm, you know, I'm averaging uh, 19 and six, and I'm playing really well on defense relatively. And Ryan goes, you're right. So we'll put Malik down. And that's going to be wonderful, you know, to have Malik be coming off the bench all of a sudden. Or uh, I, I think it's that you're cutting into the the Akogi minutes or whatever is there for Culver. Then there the, will the not layman. be any defense. If you don't have an Akogi or rejuvenated Culver or a Edwards layman. who comes out of nowhere, Layman, you have Malik Beasley on the floor with D'Lo and Rubio so that you can score oodles of points and free up space for Cat to score oodles of Okay, but this brings up the rotation thing, right? So the idea is is that Malik and D'Lo start in the backcourt, and then about six minutes in, you bring in Rubio. So then it's Rubio and Beasley, and by by the, the second quarter, you've staggered that out in a way where only two of them are left to start the second quarter. You know, something like that. It's going to be... A stagger. I don't think you will see a lot of all three of them together or 
or I think this would be best for Ryan until it comes to the end of the game where you go, <laughs> we're trying to get by these last four or five minutes with hopefully an elevated level of intention of defense from them, because that does happen where guys try harder on defense at the end of the games. Now, is that, is that perfect? No, but I think given this roster, isn't that what you would do? And you're going to say, I just want to put together this roster, but no, I don't no. know. What, what I am saying is um, if you, what has Ryan said, aside from, you know, adaptability, availability, and I forget the third one, versatility or whatever it was, flexibility, flexibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of the things he says. The other thing he says, and he says it with a sigh, like, why do you keep asking me this? I like multiple ball handlers on the court. Ryan will try to maximize Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is one of the few times that I've looked at this roster and said, that's as much of a Ryan move as it is a Rosas move. Um, because Rubio doesn't necessarily fit the timeline and Rubio does kind of get in the way of developing the subsidiary wings. And I get it. I mean, I understand the Rubio love. And I, I know that my position in terms of chemistry and in terms of uh, uh, how I, I believe Rubio was acquired um, have got me on the other side of people who think that Rubio is the best thing this team could ever have. I mean, I've seen Rubio as the, as the beneficial answer for literally like eight other Timberwolves. And, uh, you know, I mean... Guess what? You know, Ricky Rubio is a somewhat flawed, extremely gifted, extremely competitive player who will help in a lot of situations and will hurt in some situations. And um, if you're going to help, if you're going to get Edwards time in the second unit, if you're going to get Culver time, you know, with Rubio, I'm curious to see who Rubio plays with the most. I will venture yeah, again. I, I will venture a guess right now that the answer are in order. Cat, uh, Beasley, and D'Lo. I think Ricky Rubio will be regarded as a cornerstone of what they're trying to do at both ends of the court. I do too. I think. I think he could. Maybe D'Lo gets passed up by one of the other wings. But generally speaking, yeah, to your point, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I think that will be Ryan's intention. The one thing I want to point out when okay, you say – Okay, so to what, to what end? I mean – I don't think that's, like, that bad of a thing. Like, why is it bad if Ricky Rubio is the fourth best player? Um, I don't think it's necessarily bad. I think it's one of those situations where – you're saying the opportunity cost is you're losing a Koki or Culver minutes, which I hear what you're saying in terms of that's going to hurt the defense. But for me, are we going to pair him with Edwards in the second unit? Second units don't work. It's not just like five in five out. There is going to be, and that's the challenge for Ryan. It's this mix where he, he's going to need to figure it out as he goes and we'll see how Ryan can handle that. And it probably will be Rocky. It will probably be tough, and it is. He's was been dealt a, a hard hand by Rosas, but I think it's unfair to say that this was a Ryan move. I mean, I think 
I think Rosa's wanted to do this too. Why, if he didn't, why did Rosa's go after Ricky Rubio in the 2019 offseason before Ryan was even hired or was just hired? Was that a Ryan move then? Would do, have we, been? do we know for a fact that he wanted to spend three fifty one over three years? Because that certainly wasn't the way he presented. Fair. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. But he also didn't want so to give D'Angelo Russell. Really... No, no, no. Hear me out. He didn't. Okay. He also didn't want to give D'Angelo Russell a max contract. He didn't offer it to him, and he didn't offer Ricky Rubio three years, fifty one million. So no, I don't think he wants to pay either of those players. But I think what he's learning is that you're not going to be able to get guys all at a bargain. And then you're going to eventually have to, you know, kind of pay a price to get them in the future. So maybe the process there was broken, but I'm just saying the idea that he doesn't want a player doesn't envision Ricky Rubio as a player in the system. I'm not sure we know that is true. I don't, I don't think, I think that you, you made a leap for me that, um, I didn't say that Ryan talked Rosas into it. I am saying I am saying that this is most of the time the way the wolves work is Rosa says jump and Ryan says how high. Mm-hmm. That was not the dynamic with the Ricky Rubio acquisition. That's what I'm saying. That's fair. I get what you're saying. Okay, I misinterpreted that. That's all right. Um, it, it you're right. It's something that's going to help Ryan. They made it's a move going- that is going to help Ryan. But I also don't think it's a move that's counterintuitive to the process, right? Like, I think it's also, it also fits the plan in style of play, in the idea that we've talked about before, that it's not necessarily a bad contract. It's, it's got a number that uh-huh. you know, could be traded. It, it, it's got, it has the opportunity to have more positive externalities than the James Johnson contract did. And I know that's something we disagree with, right. but but I think that's right. what Rosa's believes. And, and to revisit this one more time, <laughs> people who have said, I mean, they, it's on my mentions, and I'm sure you've heard this from different people, that I am saying that Ricky Rubio isn't as valuable a chip as James Johnson as if I'm saying that Johnson is a more valuable player or whatever. No, I know you're not saying that. My whole point was there is going to be a unique time when teams are going to be wanting to clear cap space to go after people where we disagree is you think the Wolves will be going after those players too. I don't think they can. I don't think they have the gravitas to get a player in the top five of the upcoming free agent market. Well, it via trade. They don't have any. Or via signing. Gonna, right. Well, they signing can't sign trade. anyone right. forever. Via Their trade. Money, right. money is all capped right. out. This right. team will never. Right. Not never. Well, no okay. time soon right. will they make a signing okay. for anything more than $10 million. I think that they are far more likely to be able to improve the team by, at the time, selling an expiring contract to a team that wants to create 35 or $30 million by giving a $20 million player to us. You see mm-hmm. it all the time where yep. the way people get really, really valuable side pieces that turn out to be like the third or fourth best player, second best player in the rotation is by having this chip 
at just the right time. Mm-hmm. That's all I was saying about James Johnson. No, I, I hear that. Okay. I hear that. And, and that, that is value. And I, I said that before. I, I, I right. recognize that's something. I, what right. I said is we disagree on what the value of that is. And which isn't me saying it's not valuable. No, 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 no. I get it. And, and, and where we disagree also is thinking that getting trading Rubio with one year at 17 left on his deal is as valuable. Mm-hmm. And, and no. that, that's where the difference is. Because if Rubio was expiring, I would agree with you. But yeah. to me, it's about the expiring. All right. Anyway, don't need no. to relitigate it. It was just one of those things that I don't think people understood my position. And if they did and they still don't agree with it, fine. Well, it's right. complicated. It, it is complicated. Gotta, right. You well, got to, you know, I'm not going to be right all the time. It happens to be what I believe. If I hope I'm proven wrong because it's an opportunity cost loss now. So that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And, and but, I just think there's a little bit of, opportunity for value along the way that Rubio helps his team this season. And, and I think that's another place where we disagree where you don't see as much value in that as I do in the kumbaya of it. I, I think that there is a great potential for the wolves to be able to thread the needle. Mm -hmm. I don't think that is as valuable as getting a really solid power forward or something or some other $20 million player in February while we bring in the Beasley's and Edwards and Foster Okogie and have D'Lo be the set point guard and just basically rolling it up. It's a difference. But now that the team is there, well, you've heard the way I figure I I'm saying that Rubio is going to be top five on the team in minutes. And Mm -hmm. I'm saying that there's going to be some really good synergies there, but he can't get, the major minutes, he can't lead both units, you know, Robert Covington, when he, when he came over from Philly was a linchpin between the first unit and the second unit, but he eventually had to sit on that second unit and Dario Saric missed him. He missed that time, that kind of dynamic Anthony Edwards is going to wish that rookie Rubio was probably playing more second unit. And all these people who say he's going to be wonderful for Anthony Edwards. Well, is he going to be wonderful for D'Angelo Russell? Is he going to be wonderful for Malik Beasley? I mean, all these things eventually come down to. It's going to be hard. And what are your priorities? I have become more and more convinced that the Timberwolves understood the situation with Cat a lot more than we did. And one of the reasons I got Rubio was for Cat yeah. this season. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to play a lot with Cat. And I don't yeah. think that's a bad thing in and of itself. I just always want to say that the residuals here are not without risk. And the risks are the, you're risking the kind of assets that you claim you want to develop over a long period as your sustainable model of winning. And, 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 and you know, yeah. And Britt, odds are, because not not because I think I agree with your logic, but because it's the Timberwolves, that you're going to probably be proven proven right in this. I, well, I, it's probably I, I not going to work. I don't, think it's a coincidence. Work. I don't think it's a coincidence that I've been covering the team for 30 years and I think this way. <laughs> uh, um, all right, let's... Uh, Let's go on to power forward if you want to. Let, let's go. Let's go on to power forwards, and then I also, um, I also just kind of want to talk about where we see the wolves 
in kind of the grand scheme of the Western Conference. Sure. Um, but quick, take a quick break for that, and then we'll come back. Hey, yeah. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, power forwards. It is the <laughs> I've talked about it. I've talked about it way too much, but I, I tried to I tried to get this piece home that I think it is a fascinating topic because it's so bold by Rosas. Yes. It has been so it's so interesting to me because because you inherit a roster with Carl Anthony Towns and the other pieces on it, and you go, What is this roster's primary issues when we look at this thing? and a need to assess issues. And you say it's defense in the front court and a traditional way of pursuing addre- addressing defense in the front court would be to, to have a very strong power forward defender next to him. And I guess in ways they kind of did that with Robert Covington by sliding him up. But generally speaking, Rosas has taken in the acquisitions he's made and the trades he's made a path of kind of, punting on the idea of getting good defensive power forwards to go alongside Carl Anthony Towns. And I just think it's, it's a fascinating thing. It's such a bold move. And now we're in this new step of the process where Dario's gone, Rocco's gone, Wancho's back and there's like Lehman. And now we've all of a sudden we've decided to put the kid who was drafted as a shooting guard in 2018 into the mix at power forward too. It's, it's fascinating to me because this team doesn't work ever if the front court defense as a whole doesn't improve. So I mean, we will see. I, I, I confess here, 
going to be shocked that I didn't hear your podcast. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know and, what I was getting at. I the way you summarized it on Twitter, I was very impressed, and also the way you just said it right then. I think you're exactly right. I I don't have any arguments with anything you said, simply because the boldness of it is so apparent. There is, I mean, Noah Vonley uh, is Ed Davis, you know? Um, Yes. Or, you know, or whatever. And if anybody watched Noah Vonley last year, he was very, very effective on defense, but not really valued uh, as a result. And mm-hmm. and so because the things Noah wasn't good at were playing fast and shooting the ball, right, right. Even despite his one glorious year with the Knicks, where he actually nailed a few three pointers, um, he was never going to get that kind of rhythm with this rotation on those minutes. And so um, I, I got to tell you, I am. I looked it over. Uh, there's at least a half a dozen teams, and I would say more like 10 in the West, that could just destroy the Wolves in the front court. Dude, I mean, the first three Western Conference opponents are the Utah Jazz, the L.A. Clippers, and the L.A. Lakers. Yeah, and those are three That's, on my list. I know. They're, they're maybe the three on the list. You go you go Favors, go Bear. Yeah. You, you go uh, Clippers, you go Abaka Zubats. I didn't then, know Abaco was seven feet either. He's listed at seven feet. Isn't that weird? Well, uh, you know, you know my stance on uh, heights. Pardon the pun. Well, don't you know? Don't they're fake? <laughs> Go to the combine data. That those are those yeah. are the numbers. The Lakers but, have Davis and Gasol, and LeBron, by the way, is your small ball. You know, right? Three or whatever. Um, you got this was the point I made. This is the point I made last year when we were talking when okay, we realized okay, this okay. was going to be a thing. And, it's, and when, whenever I bruised. say, whenever I say they need to get a power forward who can do this, you can say, "Well, you agree with that, and I agree with that," but that's not what Rose's <laughs> things. Yeah. And so, I do think when they play the Lakers, when they play the Clippers, you cannot have Juancho Gomez on Anthony Davis. I mean that. We saw what Anthony Davis did to this team last year. Remember that? I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that that just total hey. destruction. Well, and, and what happened in that game? Who did they play next to Cat? Jordan Bell. They played oh, Jordan yeah. Bell in that game. It was, <laughs> the, right. it was the only time. It, I, and I think this is honestly an important note to make, is they, yeah. they will go away from – the Jake Lehmans and the Wanchos situationally. But in, perhaps in those spots. never again after what Jordan Bell did against Anthony Davis. Yeah, well, but I, but I think that's kind of the idea is you hope to have something better in Jared Vanderbilt or in Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Right. Um, or, you know, maybe I think Ed Davis is probably only going to play the five. But I think with this group, they've maybe been slightly more intentional about – adding players like that who could acquit themselves more than a zero when guarding an Anthony Davis or when guarding, you know, a Serge Ibaka and, and, and those, you know, those sort of dudes. I um, think that they will discover just as they did with Gorgie Jeng, that their offense will plummet, their defense will rise and mm-hmm. their net rating will be relatively the same when you play Ed Davis, 
Um, but I don't think that's a bad stop gap. I would like to see Ed Davis get eight to 15 minutes a night. Next and to Cat or behind Cat? Those mostly are next to Cat. Yes. Yeah, I do but... not want, I do not want Ed Davis to be just a backup five. And I think he'll get minutes. But again, See, I think he's just going to play backup five. There is, I understand that. And and most of the people I talk to uh, agree with you. And you know what? You're probably right. All I can argue is that Ed Davis next to Cat does, you know, I'll, I'll repeat your quote back to you because I, I said I totally agree with everything you'd said then. This team will not go anywhere unless they can figure out their front court defense. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking that Juancho Hernan Gomez and even Jake Lehman, who I've been uh, riding pretty hard in terms of being a pretty good guy, he is not the permanent answer at power forward against at least 50% of the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who can take a body and do some damage, get a rebound, make sure that three guys are not collapsing on some guy who isn't that good you know, maybe right. it's it's an Abaca somebody. You need an Ed Davis type. I sincerely hope, as much as I love Jordan McLaughlin, and I would punt, you know, Jared Noel or whatever. I don't know who else you have to get rid of, but I don't think you can you can go into this season without Rondy Hollis Jefferson, unless you've just decided. You know, put it this way: if RHJ isn't on the team when they break camp. Um, they are they are living with the consequences. I think he will be because I think they're going to be more intentional about having guys to play at the four. And, and Rondé is one of those guys, and Jared Vanderbilt is one of those guys who can play the four next to Cat. And right. Jared Vanderbilt will be a foul trouble waiting to happen. Whereas RHJ, sure. every one of his fouls will be on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and And... I think that's the way you have to play. Ditto Ed Davis. Ed Davis, if they waste him, if they don't give Cat some kind of sustenance in the front court defense, um, if he's playing next to Wancho, I mean, that's that's talk about foul trouble. That's well, that's a disservice to Cat. That is literally hanging. I agree. Your guy out to dry, you know, you cannot do that. And so Ed Davis is one of the options you have to consider, especially when you have a Lakers or a Clippers or a Utah or whatever. If you're going to have put it this way, if, if in fact, Gobert and Davis are on the floor consistently, then to have anybody but Ed Davis at the four is insane. Derek favors is enormous, (laughs) you know? There will be a lot of times, though, and this is what I talked about on the other pod, is there will be a lot of times where, take Utah, like Bogdanovich is probably going to start at the four for them. I don't uh-huh. think Favors will start. So there, like, you're straight. Like, you can play Wancho. You know, you could you can get away with a Kobe. For a, as, long as, as long as that's the lineup, right. But this is back to what I'm talking about, where we're, we're, you're, you're picking and choosing your spots with these rotations. It's why there's a great challenge on, on Ryan to figure this out. But yeah, I think what you you said at some point is there's the ultimate option is not even on the roster. 
right. because it's not at Davis. And it's why I think it's, you know, it's, it's fascinating. And I know you, you heard the noise too of, of a Larry Nance was a guy they, they pursued this, this summer. I mean, John's right. been pounding that a bit. Right. They, right. they looked into Paul Millsap. I don't, I think those nuggets are important because it is, it is Rosa's even just pursuing those guys is acknowledging that this is a problem that we will not be able to guard half of the Western conference, you know? So, so what I'm thinking about this year, when we don't have those guys, Paul Millsap isn't on the team. Larry Nance isn't walking through that door. Neither is PJ Tucker, probably. So have to so widen now, the door. <laughs> so, so now, so now we got to kind of take this year and you go, well, how does cat work with the, the skinny shooter guys at the four, like Wancho and Lehman? Let's get an actual sample of what that looks like. How good is it on offense? How bad is it on defense? And then let's also get a legitimate sample of what Cat looks like with more of a traditional big, whether that be Vanderbilt or Hollis Jefferson, or I'm with you. If it was me, I would want to see what it looks like to play him next to, to Ed Davis, just so we know what else is out there. I mean, that's what I, we were both pounding the table for all year last year. We're like, what the hell? Let's just see what it looks like with him with Gorgie. Let's see what it looks like if you play him with Vonley. But it didn't happen. Eight minutes. Cat shared the floor for eight minutes with Gorgie, and he shared the floor for 25 minutes with Noah Vonley. It just, they didn't do it. So, And, and who knows what's going to happen, but it was interesting how much they talked about it. Obviously, injuries prevented it. But Ryan was certainly willing to throw James Johnson beside Cat last year. Uh, if you For remember his talk, well, I mean, the cat got hurt, but, mm-hmm. uh, and James Johnson was one of those, he was the classic eye test versus numbers guy. I mean, they, whew, they were just <laughs> so bad with him on the floor um, right. defensively. Uh, but it comes back to the same thing. Ed Davis, the dirty little secret here is if you have Leviathan front courts, Cat gets the less physical player. It has to be that way. You cannot have Cat head up on Derek Favors instead of Rudy Gobert. You can't have Cat head up on Steven Adams instead of Zion Williamson, I don't think. I mean, I think you have to have a bruiser who can counter that guy because otherwise. It's why they made the playoffs that one year is because Taj could do that. What's What's the defining play of game 82? Who's guarding Nikola Jokic on that play? There you go. Yep. Josh Gibson, you know, so. like. But so we're, we're agreeing with each other about things that, as you point out, and this is are irrelevant. <laughs> obviously you're pounding the table about this and I don't blame you, you know, but all we can say is we can, you know, rest back on our, we don't know. We don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Maybe Gerson Rosas knows more than we do about how. Right. And maybe David Vanterpool's solid is enough. Maybe we don't really know why the defense fell off the table last year, and maybe they've tweaked it. Um, mm-hmm. We can guess. I mean, we saw things. At the end of the day, the best way to improve the front court defense is for Carl Anthony Towns to take a step up. He's had six or seven different schemes by four or five different coaches over the course of his career. He's played next to terrible defenders and magnificent defenders. 
And there is still not a profile by which you can say cat is something. Now, yeah. well, that's a good point. I do think, and this has got to be one of the worst stats you can look at on NBA.com, is that expected field goal percentage against versus the field goal percentage against as a defensive metric. Uh, because a lot of really good defenders have terrible numbers and a lot of really reputationally anyway, bad defenders have good numbers. Cat has very good numbers when you're asking how he guards people. Um, the, the obvious answer is, well, sometimes he just doesn't guard somebody because he's not there. And the guys who are <laughs> there yeah. get penalized, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, but, That's why Covington took a huge hit. Covington stacks up very poorly in that. In yeah. Minnesota stacked up very poorly in that, to your point. Yes. Uh, I, do I, think, I do think he can guard individually, though. He's, like, putting in a, in a situation where Cat has one job defensively, it is doing this right now for these next four seconds. Cat's fine at that. And that's why it is so important to not have a bunch of turnstiles out on the perimeter. Because Cat yeah. loves to say, I've got six guys coming at me. You can't blame me for this, you know. You can blame him to the extent that he almost always picks the wrong guy or makes the wrong decision. But when you're absolutely right in saying that when there aren't many decisions to be made and Cat does have one job or one assignment, that it works pretty well. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I think that we, you, you wanted to get into predictions somewhere down the line. I don't know where we are on the time yeah. scheme. But what well, I will say is – if I'm down on the Wolves, it's because they can't defend and they can't rebound. Those are two pretty damn basic things that you need to do in the NBA. And if you're going into this Western Conference, which I will grant you is not the be-all, end-all, you know, pinnacle mm -hmm. of power that perhaps it was like two or three years ago, I think well, may have been its peak. But in terms of front court flexibility – it's really good. I mean, I looked at some of the rosters of the Western Conference. They have yeah. options. You know, yeah. when the Wolves have options, it's do we go Lehman, Herman and Gomez, or Ed Davis? I mean, <laughs> that's really not, uh, you know, that's not that's not the same as uh, saying, you know. It's not a big list. <laughs> do we go with Baca or do we slide Kawhi down to the four, you know? <laughs> so so let's, let's run through it. Uh... Let's run through a couple of those and let's start at the bottom of the West. Okay. To try and to try and put some teams. Everybody knows the Thunder sucks and wanna so, suck. More yeah. important than will they suck, they mm -hmm. wanna suck, which is really a key ingredient. And according to Vegas, they have them. I'm just gonna use extrapolated for eighty two game numbers, twenty seven and a half wins, I think. Way too know, high. Well, too too high, but we expect the Wolves to be ahead of that oh you mean uh, the wolf yes 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 uh well that well that's what the thunders number is and, and what is what is what what does that translate out to to 81 games so they're 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 72 is 72 game is 24 it translates oh, out okay. to 27 and right, a half right. okay good so so they're they're the lowest ranked team in the west according to vegas as they move, should be and you move up one slot you have any guess who the second worst team is it would either be the wolves the kings or the spurs it's the Kings. So okay. they're, they, 
their projected or their over under is 27 and a half games in a 72 game season and 31 and a half for an 82 game season which to be honest with you i think is a little bit of a slight i mm-hmm. i i like bagley i actually think they have some interesting people in the front court you like bagley yeah okay yeah. I, I think he's good. Hey, you like Laurie Marketing. What can I say? <laughs> fair, fair. Um, okay, but let's well, let's talk about them in the context of better or worse than the Timberwolves. Well, Kings. Fox, I think, is quality. Uh, I think Fox and D'Lo are comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of well, losing Bogdanovich really hurt. I would say Heald and Beasley are pretty comparable. Sure. Uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, I think that Cat uh, Cat is obviously better than anybody the Kings can put at center. Um, Which I think is reason to just right there. We can put the Wolves ahead of the Kings. Well, I mean, again, though, um, I uh, mean, I, I, tried, I, I tried to get it by you quick. I, I would put the Wolves ahead of the Kings mostly because I really don't like Luke Walton's coaching. So you would put the Wolves ahead of the Kings? I would. That would be okay. one of the reasons I would do it, yes. So I I guess, got, I've got I you to say that there's two teams the Wolves are for sure better than. Not for sure, but you would pick them over. Yeah, if you put a gun to my head, I would put take the Wolves over the Kings, but I would really think hard about it. And I would not... I, it's I'm disappointed like... that takes a gun, but okay. <laughs> um, moving up, this is... Defense where... and rebounds, baby. <laughs> uh, moving up a spot is where actually the Wolves are, but they are tied with another team, according Spurs? to Vegas, the Memphis Grizzlies. No way. Memphis, well, how 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 hurt is JJJ? JJJ. Uh, I, he's not going to be back for the beginning of the season, but I think it's a, a meniscus. I like believe. five so games? Maybe more than that. Maybe like 15. Um, I think that's I, I important. I, honestly, I don't know. But, but, but Brandon Clark is a pretty good substitute. You can make a small ball four out of him. John Moran has another season in the league. Valanciunas mm-hmm. is still on his center, right? Yep. And uh, they they've got they had a really good draft. They got at least they they drafted people I liked. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't they have the kid from TCU that could shoot? Yeah, Desmond Bain. Yep. He's on that team, right? Mm-hmm. That's a perfect guy next to John Morant if they decide to throw him into the fray right away. Mm-hmm. Although I think he's a better Dylan Brooks, is what I'm saying down the line. And they, and they they have Dylan Brooks. They have Justice Winslow too, who hasn't played for them oh, at all. Yeah. Isn't. <laughs> Isn't, but he's not going to be back at the no beginning of the year. Either. Way. There is no <laughs> way. I, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I would pick, I would pick this Memphis team to, to win more games. They may be a surprise. Brandon Clark, man, talk about a, a muff draft. People were, were talking about the Wolves yeah. taking him at 14. Remember that? Or no, whatever, at, 11 at, or 11, whatever it was. at 11, yeah. and he yeah. went 21st. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a miss. Uh, <laughs> But I, I, I we think wouldn't I'm, even be talking about the power forward position right now. If Brandon Clark right. was on this team. But it it goes back to the point is like I know like Clark I think did make forty percent of his threes, but there wasn't a high volume and it was you know ugly and all that. Yeah, but whatever. yeah, you I know. know, right? I, I'm just saying, to, you know. Then I have Wancho. <laughs> um, okay, so so we're put. I I would I would putting the Wolves in the same bubble as the Grizzlies, but gun to my head. I think I would take Memphis as well over them. Um, See, my, my bubble is the Spurs. I think that okay, that's the I, next team. They have one more projected win on a 72 game. The Wolves, I should say this, the Wolves and the Grizzlies um, in a 72 game are projected 30. They're over under 30, which 
translates to 34, but I've seen that number kind of be all around for all I would take teams. Memphis with the over in a heartbeat. Okay. I mean, assuming, assuming now Jackson is back, back. Yeah. You know, I mean, meniscus isn't typically a super lingering issue. I don't think, but he, um, he is like, you talk about the guy. If, mm-hmm. if they had him, if the wolves had Jackson, I can't think of a better fit. I can't think of a better fit mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the for the way they want to play. Oh, don't that's we don't really think? I mean, he's that's their core is John and and Jackson. So you know, I, we, we don't really put it into the and Valanciunas. You know, I, I like JV. He yeah. will he will give Cat fits when they play. Well, they're playing him twice in the first two preseason games, so we're going to get to see that up close in person right away. Um, the, the next team ahead of the Wolves, according to Vegas, is the Spurs. 31 um, in a 72 game, 35 and a half in an 82 game. Are the Wolves in the conversation there at all? Flip a coin, I say. It all depends so, on, yeah. on how the role players – I mean, mm-hmm. will Derek White – he's still with the team, right? Yep. And and the other guy, DeJounte Murray, right? Okay, so those are two guys that are kind of right now they are better than a Kogi and Culver. Hundred percent. Okay, and I think that kind of thing. And and will you have a drop off? Will they will they trade LMA or DeRozan? Right. Will will Potal uh, take a step forward? I mean, the Spurs are like the Wolves in that we don't really know how that team will gel. Sure. They did have Vassell, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think is a hell of a draft pick. Right. Um, so, you know. No, uh, but they, they do they do kind of have their DeRozan and Aldridge is their cat and D'Lo. Yeah. Obviously way older, but, you know, in, in theory, you know, similar. And then they do have a lot of those role players, like you said. Right. DeJounte, you know. You know if DeJounte, I'm being what... charitable, if I'm being charitable. Uh-oh. I will say that I'll take the, the Wolves over the Spurs. But again, it's the same situation I had with the Kings. Mm-hmm. There's only one team in the Western Conference that I would bet money the Wolves are better at, and that's the Thunder. The Thunder. Uh, I would, if again, you forced me to choose and said you'll be declared wrong or right by this, mm-hmm. I would say they're going to be better than the Kings. And I would, depending on my mood, if you ask me right now, I might say the Spurs. If you ask me tomorrow, I might say the Wolves. I have no idea. But that's where it ends. Right. Now we just go to teams that I will laugh at you. Well, I, I think, and I understand that these other teams ahead, I I wouldn't pick the Wolves over. I do think I would pick them over the the, the Spurs and Kings. Um, and, and just closer in the conversation, just in general than you. I just think I'm, whatever, 5% higher on the Wolves than you are. But as we know... There, there is a variance to this where the Wolves could hit their 90th percent outcome and the New Orleans Pelicans, who's the next team ahead, could hit their 20th right. percent outcome. You know, And so that's the question is, if the Wolves have a really good year and the Pelicans are kind of don't meet expectations, can the Wolves pass them? And let's get back to what we opened episode one with. Mm-hmm. We have no idea <laughs> what we're talking about. Yep. I mean, we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> we have not seen this Minnesota Timberwolves team play in eight and a half months. We have no idea who COVID is going to snatch 
off the roster for a two-week period, when that will happen. We don't know what player is going to be unhappy and demand a trade in the middle of January for whatever reason. Somebody sure. we nobody expected it to happen. Maybe LMA, you know, uh, goes for 45 and gets traded to a team that desperately needs him. Um, and all of a sudden, the Spurs have somebody who is really good. Uh, you know. So isn't, isn't it like, I guess this is what I wrestle with with the whole COVID thing. Part of me, I'm of a mind where I go, all right, COVID is going to be this element of chaos that takes guys out all the time, but no team is any more or less likely of getting it than others. It's fairly random, right? I would think so. Now I do know that um, team culture, you know, I mean, football certainly has proven there's a lot of been a lot of knucklehead behavior in football. Sure. And let's face it, even, you know, uh, you, you had the Lou Williams situation in the bubble. There are going to be teams that don't have a lid on this uh, that are going to be stupid, you know? Right. And so, I mean, James, Harden I guess what I'm just saying, it's just kind of hard rejoined to rejoined his team. James Horton, Harden just returned to Houston, newly invigorated from palling around Las Vegas without a mask on. So, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, there's a, there's your opening candidate for, um, you know, some damage done uh, in the next week or so, you know, he may right. infect about four or five guys. If we look at the B roll of the wolves practice footage, Anybody who just arrived from Vegas walking in the middle of that, you would say, oh, well, there's a, there's a possibility there that uh, <laughs> that, that team may have some problems, you know? Right. So I do think that it's not totally random. I think it, how many, you know, how many knuckles? It's just hard to predict. Where is J.R. Yeah. Smith right now? That's what I want to <laughs> Because I'll start to uh, drop the other team's win total by a couple if he's been uh, cleared <laughs> to play with the roster for a while. I, I, my, my general opinion is you mix in COVID and you just mix in a weird year where I'm kind of with you. I think more trades are to come. I just, I do see a Western conference that has more parity than these numbers I'm looking at right here suggest just in chaos. One through two, one through 10 or 11. Yes. I, I, yeah. I, I just think things, things could happen that make, they could make it, make it all closer, all closer than it isn't. It isn't a normal year. So, so I think to that end, and as we, as we talk about the Timberwolves, you know, there's some of these teams where we just need to, all we need to get to a point to get this 10 seed playoff spot, whatever you want. I'm not calling that a playoff spot. The chance to make the playoffs thing. Right. Really the Wolves just kind of have to exceed expectations that we don't know how to make. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and another team needs to get a hand of, Bad randomness, you know, whether that be COVID, whether that be trades, whether Another that be Another Steph Curry culture. injury. Exactly. Like that That sort of stuff happens. And so I think I'm with you where there's only two teams, gun to my head, I'm taking the Wolves over in in the Thunder and the Grizzlies. Or no, sorry, no, the no, Thunder, no. Thunder and the Kings, Thunder and the Kings. Right, my fault, right, my fault. right. Sorry. But, but at the same time, I can see pretty easily, I'm not ruling out the 10 seed at all getting into that eight, nine, 10 mix. I, I think this year, and because I do believe in the talent that's on this roster, that if the wolves have a 90th percentile outcome, that they can absolutely be in this mix because I believe they're going to be a top five offense. I just do. And I think if you can have some competency around a top five offense, 
you're in the you're in the tenth seed mix. That's not a high bar whatsoever. Okay, and I would argue that that accepts that Cat is going to be mostly Cat this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is you you're know, right. That's maybe not fair. I, that, that, I don't that's know. a big thing. I mean, I don't know again, yeah. but I think <laughs> that that that's a that's a thing. Um, but what I will say for people because there's an inordinate amount of that. I mean, I get it all the time when I did my, uh, the chemistry column I wrote, you know, right after the Rubio trade and everything, there were a smattering of commenters and there always are who say, you're ruining my perception. You know, I mean, (laughs) how dare you, you know, Hey, if you're a Timberwolves fan, I can give you the sunny side of the street and it's not a bad scenario. I mean, I could be credible and tell you that they do have far more intriguing depth this year than they had last year. So that if everybody is getting wiped out, if every team has to lose like their third, sixth and ninth best player, right. the Wolves will net benefit from that. I think that was strategic. Sacrifice. I think they were intentional about that. Okay. So that is definitely something where I, and, and not only that, but their flexibility on the court, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with their lineups. But they have a lot of different lineups they can run. And what is one of the few things that Ryan Saunders can take to the bank as being good at in coaching? He has a pretty good intuitive sense of lineup combinations. He proved that in in his period after Tibbs got canned and he took over the team. He was riding Lowell Ding for a while to his everlasting credit, you know. (laughs) I mean, back in the days where we would say, oh, Lowell Ding, to what end is Lowell Ding playing? (laughs) let me let me uh let let me ask you a question to close on i'll I'll give my answer to it too first i'll I'll start is what is the what like what is the one thing that you feel that you are higher on when you take the pulse of wolves fans wolves writers nba writers whatever with this team that you are that you are more optimistic on than you sense the the collective group is because you know i mean quite frankly with this, your Rubio opinion, which I think right. is fair, and I, I trust it, you're being labeled as a pessimist right now to this team. I love that. Yeah, I, I know you do, <laughs> but but I but I but you're also like, I know you. And I you're, think I'm. I, you're I, also fair. I think that um, Anthony Edwards will become a late-breaking ambush. I think that Anthony Edwards will wind up being somebody. Um, who will be a lot more highly regarded in February mm-hmm. and March than he is now. Um, I like that. And, and for all I you know, again, I got to get back to it. I don't, I have no reason to say <laughs> I, that I, other I, than some, you know, I mean, that's what my Ouija board tells me in, in the, you know, in the, yeah. in the depths of my hunches, you know, mm-hmm. but I do like the vibe. There's something about this vibe. And I was somebody who would, you know, said and not that i'm a draft expert or anything but i would have taken you know wiseman uh of those three guys mm-hmm. i would have taken ball third and edward second if i had to do that i would have taken O'Cargo over all of them but be that as it may um anthony edwards is is the current thing that people can label me an optimist about right. simply because i like his attitude his athleticism isn't going to go away and he doesn't seem as 
susceptible to the vicissitudes of chemistry as some of these other players are. I mean, I love the fact that Rubio and D'Lo are saying really nice things about each other. And if they're still saying nice things about each other after 30 games, I'll love it. I mean, that will be a really good sign, quite frankly. Right. Um, I think that's a tough, that's a tough, uh, that's going to be an interesting journey because if they're both happy, I don't know how uh, Okogie, Culver, and Beasley are going to feel, you know? Right. So, no, that's, uh, that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point on the Edwards one. I mean, and, and man, would that be, would that be a great thing for the long-term trajectory of this team? And, and I'll just pull a wild hair here and say, um, I do think that they may be able to, um, you got to give credit to Iowa. Maybe another, if let's say Vanderbilt goes back down for a while. Or, or let's say McDaniels G- or something like that. I, I think McDaniels is from what I understand, he's incredibly raw. So maybe, yeah. w- maybe a year yes. on McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt is, is like McDaniels two years ago, from what I understand. I don't know sure. enough about it. Um, but I will say Jalen Noel, why can somebody be considered a knockdown three point shooter and just be so terrible at it? Uh, his first year mm-hmm. in the NBA, he has upside that they may be able to exploit. There are very few things you can take to the bank with this Wolves team, but I do think that their ability to turn sub-mediocre players into mediocre players is a strength. And yeah. and and uh, and maybe Nas Reed is an example of that. I mean, I don't know, but uh, right. it was last year. So uh, the one thing, if I had to pick one thing, I, I would say um, I would say Edwards. I'm a little bit. I think there'll be a top 10 offense. I don't think there'll be a top five offense, but maybe they will. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they will be entertaining. Um, I actually think that if D'Lo is used right, I think he can be a better defender than his reputation. I think that D'Lo is really in trouble when he's in space. Uh, From what I've seen on film, I do not want him guarding point guards which is another argument for Rubio on the well, team. Don't, don't start, don't start throwing in some pessimism here. This is, this is the optimist <laughs> because I'm going to come with some. All right. Optimism. D D-Lo's, my, mine is D post defense. How's that? I, I like that. No, I, for me, mine is D'Angelo Russell overall. Okay. Is again, and I'm, I, I said this before, but as I put my finger to the wind and get my read on how everyone else, whether it be in the fan base or in the media assesses the player, I think, it is inaccurate based on what shows up from D'Angelo Russell on film. You can obviously the stats, if you want to have that argument, it, it isn't strong, but I think this will be a case where put in a better system, empowered in the right way with a depth of solid rotation players around him that D'Angelo Russell, we're going to be, you know, 20, 25 games in the season and going to go, this player was a lot better than what, we thought they traded for back in February. And I'm skeptical about a lot of other things, you know, on the roster, but, and this isn't to say, I'm not saying he's going to be like an all NBA talent, but you know how it right, was right, like right. people, people were hard are, are still are hard on the I've idea. Hard like, on him. Yeah. And I, I just, I mean, I think he's the one that I, of, of anybody currently on this roster that I've gone back 
to watch the most of this summer, spring, fall, whatever you want to call it, the dead time. And every time I leave watching him play out of context, out of the context of games, out of the context of everything, and just watch that dude play, I go, and if I went to a gym and was watching basketball, I would say that is a guy that I think is better than what I have come to into it him to be from the perception of others. He's, I don't know, maybe that means he's my type or, or something like that. But um, if I'm planting a flag on something on this team, it's D'Angelo Russell. And what's tough is because the one thing I would say I'm most pessimistic about is I do have concerns about some of the personality meshes, specifically as it ties to D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Ricky Rubio, because I think that's just a challenge. Right. But as a basketball player, I think D'Angelo Russell is is better than he's been given credit for. And what about defensively? What do you, what, do you think yeah. that he will? Can he be? Where would you put him? Do you think he can become an average defender? No. Okay. All right. I, I just, think average is such a high bar, though. I do. I well. I mean, again, though, or do you think that he can be compensated for in a good system? Yes. I think it would not – if you put him on a team, a playoff team, that of their eight-man playoff rotation, six or seven of those guys are good defenders, solid defenders, I don't think it would be – and you got a good coach, I do not think it would be some glaring weakness where you go, we can't play him, or this is, this is what's killing us. I, I think he's smart enough, and what holds him back is – a really low level of physical defensive tools. He he moves his hips so slow. He uh -huh. moves his feet so slow. He doesn't he doesn't have the strength in the post that Harden does. He right. doesn't. He's right. more of the wrap around, try and poke it away from you guy sort sort of thing. It's not it's it's just not a strength. But but I think the issue with Russell is that he's been both labeled as a bad defender and a guy who you don't People don't think he can ever be a high-volume, efficient offensive player. I think he can be a high-volume, efficient player, and I think that's extremely valuable. A player who can create his own shot and be high-volume, efficient, and that's so much higher than the 69th best overall player on that ESPN list or whatever that came out oh, the yeah, other day. Yeah, like right. that, and what? I'm not, not trying to trying to get into that, but well, do you, you know that you, the year before? I think he was like 43rd or something. Right. So because, it, it was the Golden State experience. The golden and and you know what I think if you don't really dig into D'Angelo Russell you go, man it's been five years what have you done, but within the context is room for optimism. Okay, in, I, know, I, I, have a, I have a couple of uh, questions to ask you about this. As a, as a, as a Karis Levert stand, is he as good as Karis Levert? <laughs> um, a different player. I think he's better than Karis Levert. Okay, good, good. I, I think I'm I think just trying different. to get. I'm trying to get a. a I'm trying to get a context on your on your love here. Yeah, well, and part of my context on the the cares the vert love that we've gone back and forth on He's, over was and over a good yet, fit, right? Was a good fit. Was a I mean, he makes twelve million less a year than Delo right. does, maybe more than that, you know. So it's all the the, the context is, is right. relative there. I just think there's an element there, there's a situation in which D'Angelo Russell becomes a special player okay. in the NBA. Cares the vert, I think, could be. A, a guy who has playoff moments. I mean, I think his star will ascend this year in Brooklyn if he stays in Brooklyn. But 
but not to the level where I'm like, this is a all-star player. Right. I don't think Karis LeVert will be an all-star. I could see a world where D'Angelo Russell is an all-star again. Right. Yeah, in yeah. the West. Not, maybe not in the West, but like okay. in the in the context right. of an all-star caliber player. Yeah. Like yeah. one of the top five NBA teams. All sure. NBA, if there was a fourth and fifth team, he'd be mm-hmm. on the fifth team. Sure. Kind of like, yeah. you know, how Mike Conley never made an all-star team right. ever right. in the right. West. Kind right. of right. I think that's an optimistic projection for the next three years of D'Angelo Russell. But not out of the realm of possibilities. Right, do you have now, another? Do you have another question? I have. I do, as a matter of fact. The the, the people who listen to this second podcast are getting bonus coverage, right? <laughs> but um, if D'Lo can be that good as a play creator, and I agree with you, actually, it's one of the things I like about D'Lo. Why Rubio next to him? Um, I think it's. I do think it's the multiple ball handlers, and I think they will their minutes will be staggered a la Chris Paul, James Harden. I, I think that's true. And how important um, do you think multiple ball handlers are in a four out or a five out system? Extremely. Okay. Like that, extremely. I, think, I that, think that's where we disagree. Okay. I think that's where this league is, is going to move and we're going to only see everyone. Everyone says, you know, where, where are teams going to continue to push the envelope? How much more, how much more three point shooting can we, can we hit? Well, I think we're kind of at the top of the, the bell curve there, right? but I think, I think we're the place drive and kick. where teams will push the limit. Yeah, is more drive and kick. And to have numerous options to be able to do that, I, I guarantee you that's what Gerson and Sasha and Ryan and all them are, are talking about in there. This is our great efficiency is we have so many different options of guys that when plays break down and there's six seconds left on the clock that we can go get something with. I mean, for years, that has been Andrew Wiggins' job and Andrew Wiggins' job alone. One right. he wasn't very good at, but he was the best option for it. Right. That, that, that is the, the next efficiency. And D'Lo, for all of his lacking athleticism, can always get that off. And to have that around, you know, Ricky and Malik and, and Kat, like, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think that gets you sniffing the top five offenses. Right. I would argue, is Mr. Pessimism, um, not, not when it comes to D'Lo, but Ricky – you let him go to the hole. I mean, Ricky, oh, yeah, yeah. Ricky Rubio does not move. finish. Agreed completely. And so he doesn't fit that template in that respect. He has been better on catch and shoot. And not only the 36% last year, but I looked and he had a really good, when he was the MVP of the world cup or whatever it was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Euro league, um, he, he shot well from deep. So yeah. One last positive for me, I've stopped asking questions, um, <laughs> is um, I think that if Ed Davis gets time to play, he will prove to be very valuable. Ditto RHJ. He's so your type. They're both so your type. They play defense. That's my type. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually – this is what I'll say. To, I'll be the cold water on this one. I went back and watched all of Ed Davis's synergy last year from Utah, which granted he was hurt. It was bad. What did he bad. play? Center. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. We're not going to get back into that. I, <laughs> I, Ed, but he has been good at previous stops. So I think the big question with Ed Davis is, is he washed? That's the question. Yeah, I don't think he's close to washed. I, well, I, 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 and I don't, I don't know. I think I they mean, just have to play him right. I think that he is somebody who's a great help defender and a mm-hmm. good rim protector. Um, yeah. And uh, he's like, um, and also surprisingly good on pick and rolls, which by the way, 
I keep hearing about this pick and roll greatness between D'Lo and Cat. That's I always grit my teeth when I hear that, but that's for another conversation. <laughs> Ed Davis is going to be a beast on the offensive boards. Uh, I'll say that for sure. All right, Brett. Um, thank you for doing this. This has been a, a jumbo pod part two. Shockingly ended up being right. longer than part one, but uh, um, I'm excited for Timberwolves basketball this weekend. I'm bummed. Uh, we won't be sitting next to each other at the game. Yeah, me but too. I, um, and I will not be, uh, I'll be covering the team away from the arena uh, this year. I was asked by the Wolves um, mm-hmm. to take a spot. And, um, you know, my wife and son are, um, in the high risk group for different reasons. And, um, it, it, I think I, I lose a little bit by not being there, but I think I can, I, you know, I'll just have to work harder with, uh, you know, I tape the games anyway. I'll just, you know, watch the tape more or Mm -hmm. DVR the games, I guess. Tape always gives me away when I say that, but uh, (laughs) anyway, uh, I look forward to uh, someday sitting next to you and, uh, kibitzing and, Having Andy and John or anybody else is around, we—it's yeah. a great peanut gallery. It is. I, I will. It, I mean, honestly, it's the thing. As excited as I am for the season, it's probably one of the the biggest bummers. Is it's just going to be? It's going to suck. I mean, obviously, you know, I just that's so selfish of me to say. I mean, I feel very. I am going to be covering all the games in person, and um, you know, fans don't get that chance. So that that's awesome. But that's. I think that's going to be the bummer this year. Is this team's going to be interesting. 100 yeah. percent interesting yep. and and very and people aren't gonna get to see them in person um at least anytime soon but i do think we're gonna see people invested in this team more than any year that i've ever covered it mostly i've just covered some bad years but uh you know i i think it, i think it's gonna be a fun year and we'll do we'll be doing plenty of these pods maybe not for two hours every single time but i appreciate I it don't, i think we'll probably do two hours <laughs> All right, Britt, you guys can uh, follow everything Britt does at The Athletic with uh, him and John Krasinski. Um, Britt's on Twitter at Britt Robson. Of course, I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Um, I will be recording an episode after every game. That includes the preseason. So that's the next episode you'll hear from me after the uh, first preseason game against the Grizzlies. Until then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like no-